Welcome back, folks. It's episode five of the Live Fire Cooking Podcast, and we're super excited today because it's our first ever episode that we've had a guest. So today we have Matt Crawford from Sasquatch Barbecue coming in from the, North, the Pacific Northwest, and uh, we're excited to have him on the show. Matt, tell us a little about yourself. Man, first of all, I'm really excited just to be here this morning. I got, I got quite a few things going on here. It's uh, some wet, rainy weather in Washington State like we always get. So uh, basically, I, I grew up kind of cooking over a live fire, and it's just evolved into this thing, implementing multiple different tools. I go out and adventure and, and, and cook in beautiful locations in my Pacific Northwest surroundings and uh, hang meat from trees and cut them with axes and uh, do all sorts of crazy things that kind of was unorthodox in the beginning. I thought everybody would thought think I was a super weirdo or something, but it just happened to pick up. So uh, I'm 42. I still live in the small town that I grew up in. My wife's the assistant principal at the junior high that I went to. I do a lot of uh, local events and and just hanging out. So just blessed with the whole thing of, of Instagram and, and coming along and what it's evolved to and, and meeting people like you, Brio. You know, uh, we got Christy and Derek on here as well, some great friends of mine. And, and that's what it's all about, just creating these awesome links that turn into these lifelong lifelong friendships. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my rundown in, in the brief. We could talk multiple hours just on me if you wanted to, though. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. Uh, sorry. Thanks, uh, Matt. That's perfect. Um, so what we normally do in this show, um, now that people know kind of who you are, is we I asked Derek and, and Christy what's something they cooked recently that they're excited about. So we'll start with you, Matt, because you're our honored guest. So what's something that you cooked recently uh, that you're excited about? You know, we just did the thing where we were all hanging out at, at Social Feasts there in Bryce Canyon. I run mainly off my Instagram account at Sasquatch BBQ. And uh, through that, based on what I was saying earlier, you meet all these different people, these friends and people that just kind of want to be a part of this whole thing. So I got this guy, Cade, Bad Hunter, who runs his hunting outfit out there. They, they put down all sorts of animals and he got a hold of me. He's like, hey, man, you're a half hour away from me. We're at camp. We got a bison that, that we know we're going to put down in the morning. Can I bring you this bison heart? And uh, at first I was like, I don't know, you know, the apprehension of like, I've never done a bison heart, but I've done heart kind of came in. And uh, as soon as he started talking a little bit more, I knew it had to happen. That guy came, they, they, they put an animal down, they brought us the bison heart. And basically we did the transfer, the whole handshake with this giant heart in my hands. And uh, then it was on me to go from there. So. Uh, I just kind of took it, opened it up, and, and and got to work removing the arteries, filleted out into some nice steaks, uh, seasoned it up with with my Sasquatch rubs, used a little bit of Derek's rub, who's who's on here as well, and uh, I think I killed it. You you guys had it. Was it decent? It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're fine. I was just going to ask, what was the internal temp that you were shooting for with that? You know, I wanted to come up just like anything else. Um, I wasn't smoking at first, which is, is usually kind of like par for the course for me. A lot of my meats, I like to take on the Traeger grills and get them up to a certain temperature, get that smoke infused in there, and then go to a reverse sear over fire over really high heat. Um, I wanted to hit like 125, 130 on that. I think I finished at about 135, which was high. 
based on the fact of the temp of the, the fire that we were cooking on. But it turned out really good. The color was amazing. The texture was great. A um, couple people I tricked into just thinking it was steaks at first and then told them it was bison <laughs> heart after, you know. I did, the old, I did the old child trick of when you try to feed your kids uh, something different. And it worked right, out perfect, right. you know. Uh, texture, texture was a little different. Uh, it had, it had kind of a chew to it at first, but it finished off pretty much just like any other steak in the end of it. It just really retained a lot of good flavor. And I was really surprised at the moisture that it also had in it. Cause I was imagining that'd be a little bit drier, even after the slice, it would dry out quick. And that was not, that was not the case at all. Yeah. The other thing I noticed is, is when you were just from, from Instagram, I had left just that, that like just before you cooked it, like at uh, noon that day. So I didn't actually get to, to try it, but um, you, it looked like you kind of flayed it into like three pieces. So did you like, how did you carve that heart? Like how did you decide to cut it up? I just came down the main artery, kind of laid it open and, and started going with it. Um, every, every piece of meat that you're going to kind of hit is different. A heart's a heart though. So removing those small arteries and veins that are kind of the connective tissue in there, um, it'll lay kind of open if you just start on one side and work around that main artery. Once the arteries were out, I, I had the decision, did I want to try to cook it whole like that? But I didn't want to wrap with twine. Uh, if I was smoking it, I would have done some type of like pinwheel with it or something, really wrapped it up, kept a lot of that meat together. Um, but based on the fact it's it's a heart, you know, it's kind of different shape. So I just kind of went with the contour of the meat where it was going to lay open the flattest, cut a, cut a pretty large steak out of the first one, kind of gave me a nugget on the backside, and then there was a, a thinner piece in the middle. So it actually probably gave me at least – I would say I probably had a pound, about a pound of meat by the time I got done trimming it all out. Right, right. And then was there is there like a grain that you're trying to cut against? Like on the final cut, is there is there such a thing as a grain or is it not, not really that the case with a heart? Man, it's such a smooth muscle that it's really hard to tell. I could see kind of in there the way that it was running down. Not as predominant as beef or, or venison or elk or anything like that based on the fact that it's the heart muscle. But I did find find a nice slicing groove in it that worked out really well. But if, if I think back on it now, I think that you could have cut that any direction and had it turn out pretty great. Right, right. So is there like – Typically, with with, with cut, cutting or serving an, an organ meat like a heart from really any animal, um, and this is a question for any of you guys: uh, is there is there like a serving sauce or season that you would add on after the fact, uh, something like this that would you think would pair nicely with it, or is it better just you know sliced thin and served with whatever rub was put on when you cooked it? Who anybody want to jump in there? You guys want me to tackle that? Go for it. Well, I, roll. I, I, yeah, I'm always watching Derek hook up those, uh, those nice little sauces that he does with his chimichurri and everything. I wouldn't have minded having a nice vinegar, vinegar base, something sweet, maybe some uh, pomegranates or something in there just to kind of hit it. But I actually liked the fact that it just gave me the texture and the flavor of that heart to introduce right. that to other people who hadn't had it. I did take it. <clears throat> after it was all seared up, kind of, kind of cut it into some nuggets and then mixed it up with a little bit of that, uh, whistle pig maple syrup that we were using there at camp. And, uh, right. I, I topped it a little bit more after I'd tasted the flavor with Derek's, uh, maple bourbon. It, 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 it turned out phenomenal. That's awesome. So, so basically I, like, and that's kind of a great point is like sometimes when you, when you serve a really unique cut from a unique species that no one has ever tried before, you don't want to overdo it. Um, you know, with, with sauces and seasoning so that they actually get a feel for what the, 
you know, what the meat has to offer on its own. So that's, that's a good kind of side, side point yeah. there. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really want to hide that flavor, but uh, after that, it, it definitely could use a touch up, especially as it cooled. Right, right. Um, awesome. Anything else on that uh, before we ask our next cook? No, I, the only other thing was those little dove breasts that he bought, that they brought. And those things turned out pretty, pretty wicked too. I have a lot of those up in my property up by Mount St. Helens. So, uh, we'll be getting into that more. Maybe that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> we'll be for the next time. But I mean, just in real brief, what you, if I remember right, you, you, you have them like took the bone out and then wrapped them in bacon. Is that, is that what you did? Yeah, they just came in little breasts. The the breastbone was sitting down in the middle of it. So, uh, you got it. You got a pretty good pick for me, but Ran that little paring knife down along, along the side of the breastbone, took it, took them out. Just uh, basically, they were like little tiny dove breast nuggets. I do not think that that's going to be on the McDonald's menu. I think, <laughs> I, I think that the McRib is probably going to still get that handled. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> it, it was fun. To, it was fun seeing such a big guy like Squatch handling such a small little delicate piece of meat, <laughs> Do, doing it so eloquently. I, I well, that's what's hilarious about the photo too. Like I, I wanted to. I was over your shoulder, and I just grabbed that shot because it just looked hilarious. Because you know, you, you get your big guy got big hands, and there's this tiny little, uh, little piece of meat that you're carving. It just looked awesome. Yeah, I was like, man, I, how many of these little things are there? By the time I was over, I think I'm not a gamer, but I wish that I had that Call of Duty dexterity in my fingers going on at some right. point. But maybe, maybe yeah, some other time. Handy. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, sweet, uh, Christy, you're up next, and I have, a, I think I know, I was suspicion what you're going to be talking about, and it's very relevant considering we're heading in towards Thanksgiving. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your most recent exciting cook? Yeah, absolutely. So as you guys know from listening to episode four of our podcast, um, Derek and I cooked a whole hog on the Asado Cross. Well, I was the fortunate one who got to take the Asado Cross home. Um, and so upon doing so, I was just brainstorming what else can I hang from this cross? What other pe- you know big pieces of meat? With Thanksgiving coming up, I decided to just get a turkey. Um, so I got a 12-pound bird. Um, I know a lot of people hang chickens. And actually, Derek's got a good tutorial on his website at Over the firecooking.com of just how to like wrap the twine around the bird and how to hang the bird and your temperatures and all that stuff. So I actually did get a little bit of a insight from that because I've never hung birds before. I usually just, you know, cook them in my, my big barbecue smokers or my drums. Um, so anyway, so I, I wrapped it with twine. I didn't have any like real rhyme or reason to where I was wrapping it or how I was wrapping it other than just making sure that at every angle there was a nice secure point. So if I wanted to stick the hook into the string at that location, that the bird would still stay together and not fall. Um, Stuff the cavity with just some basic onion, celery, carrots. Um, did my own kind of blend of a, of a chicken rub, turkey rub, poultry rub, um, and then hung it over the fire. And alongside it, I decided to hang a variety of squashes as well. I think I had acorn squash, um, butternut squash, some sweet potatoes, some onions. And I really didn't know how long the cook was going to take because I hadn't done it before. Um, So after about an hour and a half, it started to get really nice color on kind of the next side that down where the breasts were um, a little bit too much color. So I said, well, let's just flip this guy. So then I hung it so that the tail was closer to the bottom, Um, kept that going for, I'd say another hour, hour and a half. And then um, was just started probing it with my thermopen to see where my temps were. And then I decided to actually lay it flat. So it was um, full stomach, full belly down toward the fire and then flipped it again to where it was full back towards the fire. So that took about five and a half hours. Um, to get to that point. At that point, our internal temp was 
probably like right at 150, 155. And we were getting really close, but we knew we had like, you know, 45, maybe 60 more minutes to go on it. And my family's looking at me like, are you going to let us eat dinner yet? (laughs) So I just yanked it off and threw it on the gas grill real quick, which was like sacrilegious, I know. But at that point, it had gotten all the smoke it needed. The the skin was super crispy just from being flame kissed. Um, And then so we I just threw it on the grill to let it finish to 165 and and then get the rest of the sides ready. But the pumpkins were nice and soft and squishy um, from being over the coals for about five hours as well. And so yeah, it was a it was a fun little adventurous cook for sure. That is really cool. I, I watched your video. I think it was yesterday you posted it. And I was thinking like, you know, we've seen hanging chicken a bunch of times. Derek and I did some uh, last was in the spring. I think we were down there um, over the Brio. And, but a hanging turkey, I, I don't know that I've seen that done, at least not anyone that I'm connected with. Uh, that was a new one for me. Is it something that you're going to do again for Thanksgiving, do you think? Yeah, you know, I don't have our Thanksgiving plans locked down yet, but if I'm cooking, that's definitely going to be the show-stopping way to do it. So would I would I recommend, somebody asked me the other day, like if you're feeding more, would, would I go up to like a 20-pound bird? Because I did a 12-pound bird. I've just learned in my own personal experience, I never cook a 20-pound bird. Yeah. If I have larger groups of people, I'll just hang two turkeys, two 12-pounders, you know, 12 to 13, because a 20-pound bird just takes a really, really long time. So right. Right. yeah, and that cross a hole too. So it could probably even throw three on there if I wanted. Hmm. Chrissy, you're Wait, how long did it take? How long did it take to cook? Um, it took me about five and a half hours, but like I said, it, it probably needed another full hour if I kept it on the cross. I started it around noon, pulled it off around five thirty, I think. Gotcha. But it it probably needed until about six thirty, and then it would have been good. Gotcha. Now, your thing is like, oh, go, sorry. Ahead, go ahead, Matt. I just wanted to to clarify something. You you were saying squash. You were cooking squash, not squash, right? I mean, yeah, I was right. like, every time you said it, I was, I was really, I was, I was excited to hear that that's the first time you've ever hung a bird. So, I mean, I was like, I, my, my creativity goes a little bit wild. Sorry guys. Okay. Now, now, now that we're clear. You're, you're safe. I'm not hanging. Okay. I was like, oh God, I thought you guys liked me. <laughs> so, all right. All right. Sorry, Jonathan. Yeah, we were, we were, uh, we were roasting you there, Mr. Matt. Dad joke thing. And, and my theory at social media, my theory is that it is a, it's like a binary a plus B it's like, it's a, it's a zero and one. Like you, you don't, you're, you don't tell dad jokes. You become a dad. You tell dad jokes. That's my theory. That's what happened to me. I don't know if that's actually the case for the broader public. Um, Although Derek, I have heard you say a few dad jokes, so that that wouldn't quite apply. I guess you're you're a doggy daddy, so maybe maybe that maybe that works. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I think it just comes naturally. Being <laughs> that my dad was just that way, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think we could find enough twine to to wrap up Sasquatch. I don't know. How <laughs> you would, you would mean. Well, hey, first of all, you guys would have to explain to me what a dad joke is. I guess I've been in the woods too long. I have. I'm so lost. I see him coming through on my feet. I'm like, what's this dad joke crap? You know, like. So, uh, <laughs> so, okay, so I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe you guys can help me out. I'll give an imperfect definition. I think what I would say is like a dad joke is basically just a bad joke, but typically it's like a pun. It's just, it's kind of the joke that makes you roll your eyes and groan uh, is, is how I would define it. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That was a, yeah. You guys will have to let me know if I ever, if I ever say one, like my kids are doing excellent. I mean, is that a dad joke? That's just a blessing. That's a, that's a statement of fact. That's, that's good to hear. But what if I rolled my what if what if I rolled my eyes because it was only fifty fifty? 
No, it's like your kids roll your eyes. Like you tell something that's like you, that you think is funny, but it's really not. And your kids are like, seriously, dad. Okay. Exactly. All right. Like you would say, like, I'm really fired up to cook this recipe. Uh, And then they'd roll their eyes because they're like, that's stupid. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. I'm better than this. I got it. I, I, I get you now. 100%. 100%. Next time you're on the show, I'm expecting you to drop some just fire oh, dad jokes. I'm going to I'm gonna have them all on lock. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, Derek, while we're yeah. on the topic of cooking giant pieces of meat over fire, <laughs> what's going on on your end? <clears throat> well, um, so, yes, Christy, I, uh, I know that you did – uh, you got to take home the Asado cross, but I, uh, <clears throat> I actually got to use my Asado cross for the first time in my backyard. Um, nice. yeah, so I did a whole lamb all Asador, um, just the other day. So I had a bunch of friends come over. We started cooking it. It was a 60 pound lamb. Um, I was, I know that the hog that we cooked was only what, like 48, 46. Um, so, yeah, 48, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the hog took us about 10 and a half hours to cook. The lamb only took me about, like, five and a half, maybe. Maybe not even that. So, just goes to show you that um, even though their anatomies can be very similar, their fat content and their the fat style is obviously very different. Um, so, yeah, I got uh, – I had a lot of fun cooking this whole lamb – uh, we did a kind of a similar brine in some way, um, but I used a lot more fresh uh, herbal flavor to it. So I used a lot more thyme and rosemary, threw in some mint, uh, and then I used a lot of beer, red wine vinegar, uh, chili flakes, and lemons, garlic, onion. Mm. I think I even threw in some shallots as well. Uh, and yeah, we cooked it, uh, over the fire, uh, for about five and a half hours, rotated about mm, a little halfway through. I, I scored the back, uh, fat, uh, because I just really needed it to, to render down a little bit faster. Um, but I do think that, you know, it, it was awesome. It was so much fun. It, when I first started over the fire cooking, I always, you know, wanted to do this cook, um, so doing the lamb alasador was just kind of one of the pinnacle pieces of cooking over open pit fire for me. And so I think that when we actually were able to do it in our backyard and all this, I've been a part of the cook a few times with some other chefs here in Nashville, uh, but I've never owned it for myself. So it was a lot of fun. It really was not too much different than doing the whole hog. Um, it was a lot of attention, uh, the, the prep always takes a lot longer than you're expecting. Also, the metal zip ties are awesome. I didn't get metal zip ties, so I wish I had done that. But I ended up being able to use some really nice steel wire. So, yeah, it was it was a good time. Yeah, the photos I saw looked insane. And what's fascinating about that is that a 60-pound, like, so the, 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 the hog that we that you guys did at Social Feast was 48, if I remember correctly. Um, yep. So the lamb, you know, is a good almost quarter bigger than that. And it cooked in like the same or less time, basically less time. Uh, isn't that right, Jack? Did you say five and a half hours? Yeah. Yeah. So the lamb cooked in almost half the amount of time as the hog. And it was, you know, 30% bigger. 
Right. Wow. And it cooked faster than it cooked the same time as my turkey, which was yeah. 12 pounds. I'm just getting well, so, I mean, it, yeah, it just, <laughs> it just goes to show like, obviously that the fat content or the, the fat styling, all that stuff really makes a big difference, especially with, I mean, you know, hog is a very, very fatty piece of meat. Right. So that's why it takes so long to really cook the meat and because it has so much intermuscular fat and all of the above. Um, whereas the lamb it is relatively more lean. So obviously, even if it had more weight. Right, right. Yeah, and with my turkey, I mean, I did stuff the cavity, so that slows things down too. I, I imagine I could probably spatchcock a turkey, although I'm trying to visualize that on the on the cross. Well, I was going <laughs> to yeah. say one of the there's a, a couple of restaurants in New York that do hanging chicken, uh, and in order to feed the masses uh, for doing hanging chicken, they spatchcock it and then they tie it so that you don't have that cavity. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I've been wanting to toy with that at some point as well. Maybe we'll see. Um, there you go. Maybe you guys could do an asado cross on an asado cross. Like, <laughs> like I, you know, like, like, yeah. I mean, it would look a little weird with this smaller cross. It would look a little uh, crucifixical if that's an if that's a word. But uh, maybe that's it. I don't. I don't know. Maybe that's first the- off, I love it. Second off, hundred percent a word. I don't know if it is, but that is definitely crucifix. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I'm just waiting for a day that maybe we could like one of my favorite grills could have an asado cross. I don't know. Well, um, well, so. if only if only there was someone here that could make that happen. It's it's oh, if only, oh, if only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but, we'll send it down the stream. But what's interesting too about this cook time difference is that you're also shooting for dis- different internal temps, right? Like what were you doing yeah. on the lamb there? Uh, so the lamb, so I really, I mean, anything over 145 with lamb is pretty good to go. Uh, but I was shooting for probably like 160, 170, just so I could get some of the meat to start to really fall off the bone a little bit more. Right. Um, if I could get it over, the, the thing is, I will say about the lamb is if I had probably about three or four more hours, I probably could have got it up to maybe like 190, almost 200, where um, it really is like basically falling off the bone. The bone is fully clean. Right. Uh, and I know there's a lot of a lot of people that do the crosses like this uh, probably are shooting for something that's well into that area. Um, but I also know a few of my friends that are shooting for like only like 145, 150. So I think, I mean, whereas like with pork, um, I think with the, the, the whole hog, we, I mean, we were trying to get over 200. Um, and we probably needed another two or three hours for that hog to really get over 200. Yeah. And I noticed with the turkey, the same thing that we were noticing with the hog, like once we flipped the hog over, you know, the side away from the fire actually started to drop in temp, even though when it was facing the fire, it had reached that temp, it would drop again. So same thing with the turkey. Like I was at a point where I was hit like hitting 155 on a, on a thigh or something. And then I'd flip it where the thigh was away from the fire. And then it was dropped down to like 130 again. So you just have to like be mindful as long as it hits that for a bird, as long as it hits that 165 at some point during the cook, if it drops a little bit, it's okay, but you just need to make sure for poultry with you know safety reasons that it hits that point. Right. Derek. Well, and the other thing, go ahead, Squash. What was the best part of that lamb? Ooh, 
Um, is it going to be the belly? Is it going to be? I mean, I just well. So the belly was the belly was pretty good. Uh, I mean, I think that the when it comes to lamb, the 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 ribeye um, cut of it is because it does have a ribeye, but the ribeye cut of it where everybody really likes is probably the leg. Um, I think the leg was really delicious. However, I had a lot of fun. Um, kind of, I got that, the backstrap, the, the tenderloin yeah. out and sliced that up. And it was, I mean, it was tender. It was so delicious. So I think that probably that area. And then what we kind of shred up some of the rib, uh, area and, yeah, that was also delicious too. I just remember when is that video gonna drop? I'm I, ready for yeah, it. I, I uh, actually, hopefully <laughs> next week. <laughs> hopefully. I actually had my phone open. I was trying to find it so I could at least get this visual image of it at the same time. But I, I think you're keeping us all in suspense. No, I yeah, had to, well, yeah, that's on purpose. Uh, yeah. I had to text <laughs> even get a photo. I was texting all day, like send me photos, updates, because I was so curious how it was gonna turn out. Um, so we have a plan. We're going to have Derek come up here in uh, November, and we're going to try to do uh, a whole deer, like venison, uh, on an asado cross. So that's that'll be coming, hopefully. Wow, you guys, wow. You, should, you should give me a call and see if I'm free. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, <laughs> mind, I wouldn't, mind, I wouldn't mind curling up in the, in the hide and watching. <laughs> we, can't, we can't dangle that out. And curling yeah, up I, mean, I mean, yeah, I, I was just thinking I'll curl up in the hide. I'll squatch you guys do it. I'll, I'll, oh offer, I'll offer some moral yeah, so support. That's, yeah, that's a great, that's a great dad joke. Okay. So yeah. That was perfect. 100% a dad joke. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting better already. You're, you're better already. Yeah. Most improved status in like 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So the, the, the title of this episode will be Asado Crosses and Dad Jokes. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> okay. Asado Crosses, Buffalo, Buffalo Hearts and Dad Jokes. Buffalo Hearts and Dad Jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Yeah, we, we will definitely uh, – the invite is open there, Squatch, if you want to come over. I mean, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be around. I mean, we'll, we'll be – I'll be hunting on Saturday. We'll be here all, all fall. So if you want to come hang out and cook some – Venice on Asado, Asado style. Oh, you know where we're please at. Please let me know. <laughs> Great. Well, um, I'm at this trade show in Louisville, or they say it like Louisville down here. L- Louisville. 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 I, I'm, I'm, I'm from Louisville. So, <laughs> so you have the, the 100% accurate pronunciation. That's um, correct. Louisville. I actually think we're doing very, this very similar to, uh, it's not Maryville, it's Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> I actually heard the uh, the forklift go by a little bit ago. I pretty much think you're on the. I think you're on the Death Star, actually. So, <laughs> yeah. Apologies for the listeners for the background noise. I'm in this. They told me this hallway is going to be empty. They said that you see like one person. So I set up here. There's like fifteen thousand people at the show, and I think all of them have walked past me. <laughs> so, uh, apologies for any background noise, but we had to make it happen, and we. You know, I'm I'm glad we were able to do it. Um, Anything else on you guys' brains or hearts or buffalo hearts before we uh, – hearts, uh, ha-ha, dad uh, joke. Yeah. It's just way, it's weighing so heavy at this point. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. 
No, you guys have just inspired me. Every time we do this show, it's so fun because just all of the, I mean, from starting out with little teeny dove breasts to whole venisons on a cross, I mean, just the ideas are like spitting in my head. And so it's, it's always fun to do this. And, and again, I hope we're inspiring other folks out there to just like be creative and experiment and try new things because we don't always succeed at everything we do. I mean, my bird, like I said, I finished it on a gas grill. That wasn't, that wasn't the end game that I wanted to be at, but it didn't matter. Dinner was great. I had a really good time and we hung out with friends and family and that's what it's about. Exactly. I think, I think that probably Christy said the biggest word there and it's inspire, you know, to inspire other people around us is probably what this whole thing is about. I, I just started in, in a hunting camp when I was nine years old. Basically I've said this to a couple of people. People weren't mean to me if I could throw a good piece of meat in front of them after they were drinking a bunch of beers. So I started to realize like, that's what I wanted to do. My biggest success anymore is going through my DMs at the end of the night and seeing all these messages from people from different countries, from my local area saying, hey, I was at work and I couldn't wait to get outside. You inspired me to go out and toss butter from 13 yards out onto a hot piece of cast. And uh, and they send all that stuff to me. And that's what keeps me pushing is the fact that I know there's so many people watching this and gaining inspiration and getting out there in the elements with some fire and throwing down some amazing food. So that's it for me. It's what pushes Squatch. That's great. Perfect. Derek, you have any uh, final wisdom to drop? Uh, no, man. I think I think it's all been a really fun journey. And I think that, man, at the end of the day, all of us are really just enjoying the ability to bring fire food and people together. Hashtag over the fire. Boom. Boom. All right. Yeah. And let's be sure, Matt, tell everybody where they can find you just yeah. in case they don't uh, follow you. You know yet. what? My, my Facebook is a little weak, <laughs> uh, but my, my Instagram is, is thriving. My Instagram is Sasquatch BBQ. You guys can all find me there. Check it out. I like to drop the whole, the tagline, Squatch Me. Yes. Squatch Me do it. Squatch Love Me it. work. All right. <laughs> Sweet. Thanks, guys. Um, And everyone listening, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Um, We'll see you next week on episode six.